You're listening to Building Bridges, where we bring together small groups of professionals for lively, thought-provoking conversations. In these podcasts, we explore where business is today and where it might be going. Here is your host, Jamie Miller. Welcome. I'm glad you tuned in today because we're going to be exploring an important question. In short, why is it important for professionals to write well? Now, I think about this question a lot. Uh, I've always enjoyed writing, which is fairly unusual for someone with an engineering degree. I wrote for the campus paper in college. I write extensively in my work, and I even wrote a book last year. But I'm always struck at how often I read material from accomplished people. It doesn't really reflect their ability or their commitment to excellence. Uh, There's ideas that are poorly organized, awkwardly written, and really lacking any sense of conventional grammar or punctuation. And I kind of feel like it's getting worse. So I often wonder, you know, why is it so hard for professionals to write well? And do we judge each other, unconsciously even, based on the quality of a person's writing? Uh, Now, to dig into these questions and more, I'm joined today by three terrific guests, Jeff Bradford, Laura Brown, and Ryan Craig. Now, uh, Jeff started his career in journalism before shifting to public relations and advertising about 30 years ago. He wound up at the top of two well-respected agencies before starting his own, called the Bradford Group. In January of 2019, Jeff wrote an article for Forbes, which caught my eye. It was called, Why Writing Ability is the Most Important Skill in Business and How to Acquire It. So, uh, Jeff, we're glad to have you here. Thank you. Laura is uh, both a writer and a writing coach. She's the author of two best-selling books, uh, How to Write Anything, A Complete Guide, and The Only Business Writing Book You'll Ever Need. Laura has extensive first-hand experience writing white papers, case studies, articles, and web content. She's also worked as a ghostwriter and collaborator on a wide variety of business books. So, Laura, we're glad to have you here as well. Happy to be here. Great. And last but not least, uh, Ryan is co-founder and managing director of University Ventures, which is reimagining the future of higher education and creating new pathways from education to employment. I'm personally a fan of Ryan's bi-weekly newspaper, uh, newsletter rather, called The Gap Letter, and his articles appear regularly in publications like Forbes, TechCrunch, Inside Higher Education, and Fortune. Ryan has written two books, College Disrupted, The Great Unbundling of Higher Education, and A New You, Faster Plus Cheaper Alternatives to College. So, Ryan, great to have you here as well. Great to be here with all of you. Thank you. So Simon Sinek says we should start with why. So I'm going to start with you, Jeff. Why does this topic matter to you? Well, it's how I make my living. For one, I'm a professional writer, so it matters to me on a very basic level. I also think that good writing is fundamentally just good thinking. And I mean, it's just basically organizing your thoughts in a sequential way that makes sense and then saying it succinctly and clearly. And I think if we, if we had more of that, we would probably have less of the storm and drawing we have today throughout this country. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, lot, lots to unpack there. Uh, Laura, how about you? Why is this, this topic about uh, writing for professionals important to you? I see a lot of people in, in my sort of day-to-day work who are not meeting their potential because they can't write. And I was a teacher before I became sort of a business writer and business writing coach. And it sort of breaks my heart that I see people who are smart and talented and have good connections and have good skills who aren't able to express themselves. So that's one reason that it's important to me. I really, um, I like to support people in, in meeting their goals. And it frustrates me when I see that they lack very basic skills that they could acquire easily and, and have greater success in their careers. Terrific. Thanks. And Ryan, how about you? Why is this an important topic for you? 
Well, I think perhaps in my lifetime, it's never been clearer than it is today that our country, countries uh, need dramatic change in a number of, of directions. And change happens through uh, new ideas. And writing is how we communicate new ideas. If we're not able to succinctly communicate what those ideas are uh, in a written format, they probably uh, won't carry the day. And so to us, uh, and as we think about reforming our little area of the world, sort of higher education, workforce uh, development, human capital, it's super important to us to be able to communicate clearly in, uh, in writing. Thank you, Ryan. That, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it actually makes me wonder, you know, we're, we're sort of, I think, assuming here that we're talking about business writing, you know, everybody learns to write at school, right? You know, you go to school as a kid, you learn to write, you learn to write essays. In some cases, they teach you creative writing. And then you get into the workforce and you have to write maybe in a different way. And I guess one of my questions before we even talk about, you know, the nature of the problem such as it is, is, is you know, how is business writing, you know, writing in the professional world, how is that different from, quote, regular writing that we might learn in school? And how is it different? I don't think it's any different at all. I think it's exactly the same. I think good writing is good writing. I'd kind of like to challenge the premise that everybody learns to write in school. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, so I, I, think, I think in a lot of cases, people aren't learning to write in school. Um, and I think Jeff is right. There are the Good writing is good writing. And if, if people really were learning to write in school, they would be able to transfer those skills to the workplace. When you say regular writing, I guess there are lots of different regular forms of writing, and each has its own requirements. I think what happens when you start, maybe make the transition from college to working in business, you're having to write a lot faster. There's always time pressure. There's often a potential for like a clear and immediate outcome from the writing that you do. And I think that business writing is a lot more interactive than the kind of writing that you tend to do in school or say if you're writing an editorial for the New York Times or something like that. It is a very back and forth kind of kind of form of communication that I think people are not prepared for when they enter the workforce. Hmm. That's interesting. Versus versus writing in school, where if you're writing an essay, let's say, you know, you're, you, you know, you kind of squirrel away for, you know, three weeks working on the essay and then you turn it in and you get feedback from the professor and that's about it. Are yeah. you saying that, that in the workplace, when you're writing, you're getting, there's more back and forth and more iteration? Is that I, sure, I think so. I mean, and everything from transactional emails to proposals that you send to clients, you're going to get feedback and you're going to have some kind of outcome and it's going to have consequences in, in the real world. Hmm. That's a great point. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I think it's fundamentally the same. At the end of the day, you need to engage your audience. You need to communicate clearly in a structured way. And you do that in school, you do that in, in business, and uh, if you're effective in one, you should be able to be effective in the other. I think, unfortunately, too often people think that business writing means jargon-filled writing, which I uh, actually have a physical reaction to. Uh, it's just all, you know, something like impacting something and you know, draining the ocean and end of the day and you know, outside the box is just mind-numbingly awful. And it has nothing to do with thinking or original thought. It's, it's only basically lining up these cliches in a reasonable sentence and then putting it out. And it communicates nothing. So I, mean, I think that's, a, to me, a, a real problem is that people who, who, who aren't, who don't really study writing, who aren't English majors, who aren't, you know, don't read a lot of books, 
that they think that just throwing out the jargon is writing, and that's effective communication. It is a furthest thing from communication. Hmm. And where do you think they learned that, Jeff? Like, what, what, what's the uh, kind of what's the the origin of that belief? You know, I'm a big believer that you know, our beliefs shape our behaviors, and our behaviors shape outcomes. So, if you want to change the outcome, you can't just act differently. You have to think differently, right? So, so where does that belief get formed? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's half in college. I, I, those people are becoming a big fan of the word comprise instead of compose. They don't, they don't know how to use it. I think maybe professors think comprise is a fancier way of saying compose. I don't know. I think they also pick it up from their senior colleagues at their, at their business who, yeah. who never really learned how to communicate clearly and have gotten by for decades on spitting out a few jargon-filled phrases. And I think, then they think, well, that's how you do it. You know, you yeah, it's a signifier for expertise. It's a soundbite for expertise, and people take that shortcut and, and avoid thinking. And it sounds as though what we're saying is that that's modeled by the senior leaders, right? So, for instance, if people listening to this podcast are senior people, they should maybe check what they're doing, not just for what for the impact of their own words, but also for the signals, it sounds like, that they're well, sending because others. No, no one corrects them. No one ever tells them no. So they're used to throwing out jargon and thinking it's pearls of wisdom. You know, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and there's, you know, and, and, and I just add that there's, there's, there's jargon uh, that crosses industries and then every industry has its own specific jargon, uh, which is equally mind numbing or uh, irrelevant. Right. I don't think anybody has ever really gotten any training in business communication. I think certainly when I entered the workforce, it was, it was before the advent of the internet and there was a thing called business writing and it was made of memos and business letters and proposals and each one had its own format. And I, I think in those days, we were even more reliant on these sort of like fake legalistic phrases like enclosed herewith, please find. Yeah. I think the internet has improved that a little bit. But what the internet has done is it's, I think it's taken young people from directly from texting their friends into trying to communicate with colleagues. And that's, that's too informal. Right. And then as as you, you have all pointed out, they model their communication on their senior colleagues, but their senior colleagues haven't been trained either. Somehow we're supposed to learn by osmosis how to do how to communicate in a business setting. And some people pick it up and some people don't. Yeah. What comes to mind is I have a colleague or former colleague who phrases every every request as kindly please provide. Oh, wow. And, and the guy could not be a bigger jerk. Uh, <laughs> and, and he just undermines. And I think there's that, that level of uh, sort of thoughtless insincerity pervades business, business writing. Laura made earlier about younger people too. What I'm, the problem I find there is, again, we're a company of writers, so we're all about this is that they can't write outside their own voice. That's a real problem. You get a lot of awesomes and uh, awesome, a lot of awesome, and, you know, really wicked this. I mean, you know, and obviously no one older than about 15 is going to talk like that. And so that's one of the things we have to train out of them is, is you know, speak like the person that you're writing for. So we do a lot of ghostwriting, and, you, you know, this 55-year-old executive is not going to use the word awesome a lot or wicked or that sort of thing. You know, Ryan, your your comment, you know, about you know about the jerk, you know, writing in a sort of a flowery, uh, you know, unnecessarily gracious way, makes me think of the musical Hamilton. 
Hamilton, which many, some of you have probably seen or at least heard the soundtrack. And, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, you, you think back in those days, right? You know, back in the, you know, sort of the 18th century, you know, people wrote all the time. There was no telephone. There was no other way to communicate, right? So the people wrote these elaborate letters and beautiful prose, right? And, and yet at the same time, you know, you have, you have, you know, Hamilton and Burr who, you know, hate each other. Uh, and yet they're saying the most lovely things to end to, to end their their letters, which is funny. But it does make me think, you know, as I was thinking about this this conversation, you know, about again the way people wrote. People, you know, at a minimum they use complete sentences, right? They they you know they may have been they may have been hypocritical or or you know they're passive aggressive in the way they communicated. I'm sure they had all the same human feelings we have now. But you know, at least they wrote well for for the most part at least those that that we that that history has remembered well for the most part which makes me wonder you know where did this go off the rails right like and that's it's 200 years ago which is a long time and yet it's not a long time in in the scope of human history you know i, I think we would all agree that there's been a decline in the quality of writing certainly since you know burr and hamilton were writing to one another why like what you know it, why is this happening and and you know is it still getting worse right well, if, on the uh, on the positive side i mean we have to look at the big picture which is that back then only a very small number of elites uh, received education and today right. we're trying to educate the entire population so Good it point. would be shocking if the average level uh, of writing uh, did not uh, did not decline I also think that we simply read less than we have in the past. I mean, the only way to become a good writer is to read good writers. I mean, it's not, not, well, not the only way, but I think it's an important part of it. And people just don't read books anymore, particularly good literature books, books written by really fine craftsmen. They just don't read them. They read, you know, magazines and mysteries and or don't read at all. Just just watch videos. Right. I think that's a, think yeah. that's a big problem. We don't we don't see good models of good writing anymore. And I think there's a, a to some degree a pedagogical push in higher education against reading models like that. I was sure. talking to a, a friend of mine who's a a college professor, and she was telling me about a a writing program at a university near her. Writing has split off from the English department. So it's sort of a rhetoric and composition program. And their policy is not to have students read sources written by other people. Students write, read only each other's writing. That's amazingly awful. Yeah, it's, yes. And the, so the emphasis is on um, expressing their feelings, expressing their beliefs, talking about their experiences, all of which I think are important, but you also have to be able to express ideas, mm -hmm. to argue for ideas. And I think that that's missing. I think that, um, I don't know, somehow we feel that looking at models of good writing is undemocratic or something, but students really aren't getting the model <laughs> that they need they're not reading yeah, i totally i totally agree with that writing in a vacuum uh like that can be uh intends to be i think totally undisciplined uh and unstructured it's hard when you're forced to communicate a specific idea or around a specific idea or within a framework uh, that someone else has, has developed uh, that really forces you to think and hone your craft so not to lay blame, I think there's probably lots of blame to be to be had. You know, some of it's individual, some of it is institutional. But if we were going to sort of say, you know, there is a series of kind of touch points where people are going to learn this. You know, they first learn to read and write from their parents, and then you know, see, they first see reading and writing often with their parents, and then they go to go to elementary school, they go to high school, they go to college, they go to the workforce. 
for the three of you, just, you know, some, partly your own personal expertise, and Ryan, I know you study this extensively, just particularly at the higher ed level, kind of what, kind of what, is, what should the role of schools be? Kind of like, what is the role for our formal institutions before people ever get to the workforce? You know, should people show up in the workforce being able to, to write well from a business perspective, or is this a responsibility, let's be honest, you know, companies should be teaching? I would say that it's it's as certainly we shouldn't expect colleges and universities to train students to write for business. I think that most colleges and universities really don't understand uh, what business is or does or what writing for business would uh, would entail. That's that that's not their their function. But I think what I would say, following on the last comment, is that we need to, to train for writing in context. We should be writing in every course. We should be writing in science and engineering and mathematics courses. We should be writing across the social sciences and humanities. We should be writing in literature and reading and responding and addressing those ideas. And if you can, if you can do that, if you can write responsively in a given context, within a given framework, then that's exactly what business is looking for. They want someone who can think and communicate coherently in a structured way in writing. Hmm. I went to a small liberal arts school, and that's exactly how it was there. Every, whether you were a science major or a humanities major or an art major, the quality of your writing was, was scrutinized and, and, and commented upon, no matter what you were in. And it was a great service. I, you know, I think schools should teach people how to write. Again, I think business writing is just writing. When they finally get to me, I can't teach them how to write. I don't have time to teach them how to write. Uh, all the patients, you know, so they need to show up, at least learn what a, what a complete sentence is and how you should never use a semicolon unless you've got a really good reason for it. I mean, just, you know, just basic, basic stuff, right? And they need, they need to know basic grammar. They need to, you know, just amazing things that people don't know. And then, then in the sense of style, the main problem I'm seeing is the two problems. One is they think that they should write to impress instead of write to be understood. They're not thinking about the reader, they're thinking about themselves. And secondly, they are so verbose. I see a lot of people who say the same thing literally three times in a row because they think they, because they really have nothing else to say, I guess. But that's the two problems I'm seeing are that, the verbosity and not thinking about the reader. Hmm. Well, it's always harder to write concisely, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. And Laura, I think that was a big part, a big, one of the big themes I took away from your book, your most recent book as well, right? Which is, which is to write with the, the interests of the, of the reader in mind, which, which sounds obvious. And yet for some reason, it's, it's often forgotten. Well, it is often forgotten. I think people are so eager to say the thing they want to say that they stop thinking about the person that they're saying it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they, they never think about that person. And, and I think they also, you know, writing for the reader is, is quite a broad consideration, right? You're thinking about the reader's needs, the reader's expectations, what content does the reader need to receive? But you also need to think about uh, the reader's time. And does the reader really have to plow through all of this incoherent prose to figure out what you're trying to say? So if you think about your reader, you can clean up quite a lot about your writing. Um, I I just did want to respond to the question that you posed earlier about what is the responsibility of of schools and colleges and universities. I agree that they're not responsible for teaching business writing. I agree that they don't really understand what business writing is. 
one of the, you know, I have written a couple of books about business writing. And in the course of writing those book proposals, I had to review the competing books that were out there on the market. An awful lot of them are written by English professors who haven't ever worked in, a, in an office. So <laughs> some of the instruction that you're getting is, is really not very good. It's not up to date. But schools and universities should be producing people who can write coherent sentences, who know what sentences are. I've done an awful lot of coaching with people who don't really kind of exactly know what a sentence is and forget a paragraph. They don't know what a paragraph is. Mm. And, and just working on the mechanics of how to use the language to express your ideas is something that should really, really be drilled into people. I don't work in higher education anymore. Um, so I, and I don't fully understand all the forces that have led us to the point where we are now. But we really need to get back to to really drilling people in basic yeah. skills. Yeah, I would say, I mean, if you think about the the, the the critiques we're offering here, many of them would be resolved if, if every American and Canadian had just simply mastered the, the basic five paragraph essay that you learn in third grade, right? What's the argument you're trying to make? What are three examples and conclusion, right? Make a, make a coherent, coherent argument. And I can't help but thinking that, you know, look, uh, we hear a lot, and again, we, we focus on sort of higher education and the skills gaps that we're seeing and the, and, and, and the disjunction between what employers are looking for and what our current education ecosystem is providing. And writing is certainly a gap that we see, but it's not the only gap. There are lots of other gaps that we see uh, in terms of core skills, cognitive skills, critical thinking skills, problem-solving skills, technical skills, soft skills that employers complain about that they're not seeing. So, you know, this may be part and parcel of a broader uh, breakdown of our education system. And you have to look at how public schools are operating today, who's teaching in public schools, who's attracted to teaching, all the barriers to entering the teaching profession if you didn't already take those teaching uh, courses in college. It's not an easy path uh, to, to take and, and to, to, get, to get into teaching. And, 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 you know, the fact that, you know, education majors, for the most part, if you look at who majors in education, and apologies if anyone here is, was an education major, but education majors are overrepresented by the bottom third uh, of college classes. And it's a, it's a function of the fact that we don't value education and, and, and K-12 teaching in this country. We don't compensate nearly well enough. Look and you have to look at... For America, yeah. I mean, the people who, who weren't pedagogically trained turn out to be great teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they don't last in, in school districts, typically. After a few years, they're gone and they're doing something else. Right. And we're also now at the point, I think, of drawing from a pool of people who have been through school after we've had this problem with writing training failing, right? So you have a third grade teacher who really doesn't know how to write. So she can't really, she or he can't really support the students. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I just kept thinking throughout this conversation, how many of us have had teachers who we would really say they are very strong writers. And, you know, for, for, for me, it's maybe, maybe, you know, you can count them on two hands. So I went to a really lousy public school and then I went to a pretty good private college and I had never written a paper until I went to college, believe it or not. So when I got to college, I had no idea what I was doing. Hmm. I actually learned I had to take a remedial writing course and I'm a writer right. when I first got there to teach, to teach me how to write a term paper. So just, yeah, I mean, state public, public education is just uh, it's horrendous. Right. 
Yeah, I think if you if you sort of look at the the the, the last fifty years here. I don't think that much has changed. I think you know what's kind of surprising is that uh, young people are increasingly communicating in in the written form, doing it using technology, and that not only hasn't helped, uh, it may have it may have hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Well, and and Ryan, I'm glad you said that because that is one of the things I have noticed. Again, not to not to be dogmatic about this, but it feels to me like you know texting, where you know you never find a, a, a capital letter or a, or a piece of punctuation and, you know, social media where, you know, you sort of, it, it's meant to be kind of pithy and short, and, you know, so forth. Uh, and PowerPoint, my God, you know, where, where you're, ne- you're never trained to write in a complete sentence. You kind of put random, you know, bullet points on a, on a page. It, it feels to me like, like technology, to your point, has been a part of the problem. I also think that senior people, and again, I, I have the, the pleasure of working with a lot of senior people. I almost feel like there's a badge of honor amongst some senior people where they take pride in not and I don't know if anyone would admit this, but I feel like people take pride in not writing complete sentences, right? Because I think they might think that it, it means they have too much time in their hands, right? I'm so darn busy. I got so much going on. I'm going to send you kind of a quick sloppy, you know, full of spelling mistakes, no, no punctuation, you know, kind of email or text or whatever it might be, right? And, and, I, can't, and, and I don't know if you've seen this as well. And I, I feel like it's worse, honestly, among senior people. I, I feel like junior people write too much, kind of the point, Jeff, you're making about verbose and kind of saying the same thing three times. And then you get to a certain point where you say hardly anything, right? You literally don't communicate a full idea. And when you do, it's sort of awkwardly done as a badge of honor almost. And, and I feel like that's terrible modeling for younger people, right? It's like, if I want to be successful, I have to be more like, you know, one of these people. And, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm over uh, reading it, but I, I'm just curious if, if any of you have seen that, that same behavior and if you have any explanation for it. And a lot of what I see are a lot of I hear from a lot of senior people who are tearing their hair out because they're having to rewrite everything that their employees write for them. So I, I see sort of the opposite problem. But I but I hear what you're saying. I, I think what people somehow don't understand is that texting and writing are separate skills. And I can certainly send an abbreviated maybe inarticulate text when I'm in a hurry, but I can also write a paragraph. And I know when you can do each one of those things. And I, I think that the line is, the lines have become really blurred now and people don't have the core skills that they need to, to use, okay? So I'm writing a PowerPoint, I'm just gonna write bullet points that, that each start with a verb, but I can also write in prose or vertical writing as some people call it. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, but unfortunately we're running out of time for today. When we pick up the conversation for part two, we'll talk about the connection between writing and thinking, employers' reluctance to teach remedial writing skills, the elements of compelling writing, and the value of regular practice. We'll also discuss websites and other hacks that professionals can use to improve the quality of their writing. As they say on TV, this episode is to be continued. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Building Bridges podcast and trust the conversation has informed, inspired, and entertained you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a colleague and continue the discussion. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit www.skybridge.associates. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.